the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Thanking you, thanking you as always for being a part of the broadcast with us. Thanks for coming along and reading through the Scriptures every year through the entire Bible. Tonight we'll be finishing up one of the really remarkable books. I always get myself in trouble when I say that because every book in the Bible is remarkable in its own right. But I have to say the book of Job has some distinctives. In the first place, it is the first book. It is the oldest book in the Bible, which is remarkable in the sense that you would expect that it might be filled with concerns and ideas that would be very primitive, but exactly the opposite. We find this very human story, a remarkable individual, tremendous suffering, tremendous loss, family members, friends, possessions. His own health goes down the tubes as well. He's sitting in, in sores and pus, and, and not to get too graphic, but suffering is the only word that describes the book of Job. It's the story of pain and suffering in an individual as he struggles with those troubles. As exceptional as Job's story is, though, suffering is not foreign to the human experience. There is suffering involved in every one of our lives. So Job is working through some very complex issues that still puzzle, that still concern men and women everywhere around the world today. We know the background. God declared Job to be a good and righteous man. The story has been principally about Job as he responded to attacks generated by Satan himself. We know the behind-the-scenes action. We know what Job and his friends do not know, that this began with a conversation between God and Satan. Tonight, God will step into the conversation and give his point of view. That's going to be interesting. First, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment from the Psalm 102, 1-17. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea. Don't turn away from me in my time of distress. Bend down your ear and answer me quickly when I call to you. For my days disappear like smoke, and my bones burn like red-hot coals. My heart is sick, withered like grass, and I have lost my appetite. 
Because of my groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like an owl in the desert, like a lonely owl in a far-off wilderness. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on the roof. My enemies taunt me day after day. They mock and curse me. I eat ashes instead of my food. My tears run down into my drink because of your anger and wrath. For you have picked me up and thrown me out. My life passes as swiftly as the evening shadows. I am withering like grass. But you, O Lord, will rule forever. Your fame will endure to every generation. You will arise and have mercy on Jerusalem. And now is the time to pity her. Now is the time you promised to help. For your people love every stone in her walls and show favor even to the dust in her streets. And the nations will tremble before the Lord. The kings of the earth will tremble before his glory. For the Lord will rebuild Jerusalem. He will appear in his glory. He will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. End of reading, Psalm 102, 1-17. What if I lost everything that I had? I could smile and somehow still be glad and say thank you, thank you. Because life is joy, life is pain, but the prayer of my heart will never change. I say thank you, oh I say thank you. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. took a little more time to stop and pray. I know. attitude of gratitude that is fundamental to the people of God. This is important for us to nurture and develop that attitude of gratitude as well because we're told in every situation, whether it's hardship or difficulty or suffering, even in those moments, we are to give thanks to God. Now, how could that be? That seems contradictory. It seems totally against our human nature, which... (laughs) You know, when it goes against the grain of our human nature, I often think, well, you know, that must be right. The point is, though, what does gratitude show? Gratitude is one of the most fundamental ways that we can express faith in God. Because when we say thank you to God, we're recognizing his omnipotence. We're recognizing that he is involved, that he hasn't abandoned us, that he's not the absentee landlord that just put the world to spinning and took off on vacation to Hawaii or something. That God is actively involved, and he is maneuvering and manipulating our circumstances for our benefit for our happiness, for our transformation, for our development, to maximize us as individuals. And when we know that and when we believe that, we can give thanks in every moment. Sometimes expressing thanks in the middle of difficulty is that first little step of faith that moves us toward a new perspective, that moves us toward healing. And that's what we've been looking at with Job. He's got this tremendous amount of suffering in his life. Job is not totally innocent. There's a lot of complaining and maybe a little bit of self-pity, but he has not in the least abandoned his faith and trust in God. He continues to acknowledge that God is omniscient, he's omnipresent, he sees all, he knows all, he knows that God is perfectly just, but Job knows that God's perspective is not limited to this earthly, temporal sphere. He has come to understand that there is a life beyond this world. There is a spiritual realm. There is life after death in the first place, and that God has a redemptive plan. He talks about the Redeemer, and that he will stand one day with his Redeemer. So Job has come to see 
things from an eternal perspective. He knows that God alone knows what he's doing for us and with us and what it takes to transform us into his image and for his glory, for our perfect fulfillment. And Job also has discovered and knows that God is free to use us in other people's lives. Not everything is all about us, my friend. When we suffer from time to time and we have losses and difficulties, it may not be about you at all. We belong to God, and we should be thrilled and even honored when God uses us redemptively in other people's lives. We see here that Job is being used to give testimony even before Satan himself. He has these three or four friends that are watching as well. And listen, we are reading his story thousands of years later. God is still using Job's experiences redemptively in our lives as well. We're part of that process now because we listen to the Bible live. After everyone has spoken their piece, Job, his three friends, even his young friend Elihu, the teenager that steps in and speaks at the last of the book, now in these final chapters, God himself speaks up and explains something of his working, something of his plan. Job has been wanting to hear from God, and now he does. Let's see how it all ends up in the book of Job tonight here on The Bible Live. Job 38, 1 through 42, 17. Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Do you know how its dimensions were determined, and who did the surveying? What supports its foundations, and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy? Who defined the boundaries of the sea as it burst from the womb, and as I clothed it with clouds and thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, Thus far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you ever told the daylight to spread to the ends of the earth, to bring an end to the night's wickedness? For the features of the earth take shape as the light approaches, and the dawn is robed in red. The light disturbs the haunts of the wicked, and it stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you walked about and explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does the light come from, and where does the darkness go? Can you take it to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the treasuries of the snow? Have you seen where the hail is made and stored? I have reserved it for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the origin of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land, in a desert where no one lives? Who sends the rain that satisfies the parched ground and makes the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Where does the dew come from? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you hold back the movements of the stars? Are you able to restrain the Pleiades or Orion? Can you ensure the proper sequence of the seasons or guide the constellation of the bear with her cubs across the heavens? 
Do you know the laws of the universe and how God rules the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make the lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct it? Who gives intuition and instinct? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven, turning the dry dust to clumps of mud? Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God as they wander about in hunger? This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Job 39. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Have you watched as the wild deer are born? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of the time of their delivery? They crouch down to give birth to their young and deliver their offspring. Their young grow up in the open fields, then leave their parents and never return. Who makes the wild donkey wild? I have placed it in the wilderness. Its home is the wasteland. It hates the noise of the city, and it has no driver to shout at it. The mountains are its pasture land, where it searches for every blade of grass. Will the wild ox consent to being tamed? Will it stay in your stall? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Will it plow a field for you? Since it is so strong, can you trust it? Can you go away and trust the ox to do your work? Can you rely on it to return, bringing your grain to the threshing floor? The ostrich flaps her wings grandly, but they are no match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warmed in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or that wild animals might destroy them. She is harsh toward her young, as if they were not her own. She is unconcerned, though they die, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He has given her no understanding. But whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the swiftest horse with its rider. Have you given the horse its strength or clothed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap forward like a locust? Its majestic snorting is something to hear. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength. When it charges to war, it is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The arrows rattle against it, and the spear and javelin flash. Fiercely it paws the ground and rushes forward into battle when the trumpet blows. It snorts at the sound of the bugle. It senses the battle even at a distance. It quivers at the noise of battle and the shout of the captain's commands. Are you the one who makes the hawk soar and spread its wings to the south? Is it at your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making its home on a distant rocky crag. From there it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. Its nestlings gulp down blood, for it feeds on the carcass of the slaughtered. Job 40 Then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will put my hand over my mouth in silence. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Brace yourself, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Are you going to discredit my justice and condemn me so you can say you are right? Are you as strong as God, and can you thunder with a voice like His? 
All right, then, put on your robes of state, your majesty and splendor. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you, for your own strength would save you. Take a look at the mighty hippopotamus. I made it just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as straight as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are tightly knit together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's amazing handiwork. Only its creator can threaten it. The mountains offer it their best food, where all the wild animals play. It lies down under the lotus plants, hidden by the reeds. The lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. It is not disturbed by the raging rivers, not even when the swelling Jordan rushes down upon it. No one can catch it off guard or put a ring in its nose and lead it away. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Job 41 Can you catch a crocodile with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you? Can you make it be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it? Will they sell it in their shops? Will its hide be hurt by darts or its head by a harpoon? If you lay a hand on it, you will never forget the battle that follows, and you will never try it again. No, it is useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be thrown down, and since no one dares to disturb the crocodile, who would dare to stand up to me? Who will confront me and remain safe? Everything under heaven is mine. I want to emphasize the tremendous strength in the crocodile's limbs and throughout its enormous frame. Who can strip off its hide, and who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who could pry open its jaws, for its teeth are terrible? The overlapping scales on its back make a shield. They are close together so no air can get between them. They lock together so nothing can penetrate them. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Fire and sparks leap from its mouth. Smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a boiling pot on a fire of dry rushes. Yes, its breath would kindle coals, for flames shoot from its mouth. The tremendous strength in its neck strikes terror wherever it goes. Its flesh is hard and firm, not soft and fat. Its heart is as hard as rock, as hard as a millstone. When it rises, the mighty are afraid, gripped by terror. No sword can stop it, nor spear, nor dart, nor pointed shaft. To the crocodile, iron is nothing but straw, and bronze is rotten wood. Arrows cannot make it flee. Stones shot from a sling are as ineffective as straw. Clubs do no good, and it laughs at the swish of the javelins. Its belly is covered with scales as sharp as glass. They tear up the ground as it drags through the mud. The crocodile makes the water boil with its commotion. It churns the depths. The water glistens in its wake. One would think the sea had turned white. 
There is nothing else so fearless anywhere on earth. Of all the creatures, it is the proudest. It is the king of beasts. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Job 42 Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You ask, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I did not understand. You said, Listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Tamanite, I am angry with you and with your two friends, for you have not been right in what you said about me, as my servant Job was. Now take seven young bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not been right in what you said about me as my servant Job was. So Eliphaz the Tamanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Keren Hapuk. In all the land there were no other women as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, good life. End of reading, Job 38.1 through 42.17. my friends he will carry me even through our trials and struggles and difficulties we trust that he is there to carry us to guide us to help us and to make something positive of them redeeming even those troubled times in our lives even our failures he can turn to positive steps of growth and progress in our lives that's an astounding thought but if we're going to experience that there has to be a time of brokenness when we come to the end of ourselves in total submission to our God. Were you touched as you listened to the challenge that God gave to Job tonight? Where were you when I did this and when I did that? I don't think God expected Job to answer these questions. <laughs> They're a little bit beyond our pay scale, right? Remember now, Job had been begging God for this opportunity to plead his innocence before God. Then God gave him a chance. And there in chapter 40, 
Job responds to the Lord. And what does he say? I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Has God ever gotten you to that point? To the end of yourself and your excuses and your arguments, your point of view and your claims of your rights? Have you ever come to the point in your view of God, in his power, in his majesty, in his love, compassion, everything about God, overwhelmed by who he is, that you just kind of had to hush your mouth. Job came to that point, and what he found out is that's where we need to stay, at the end of ourselves, at wit's end corner, as somebody called it, in that place of humility, in that place of brokenness, in that place of submission, acknowledging who God is. Then and only then, we're in a position to see something of God's character and nature, something of God's plan, something of God's wisdom. That's the place from which we grow. In that place of faith, that place of total abandonment to God, that's when the scriptures often come alive. Passages that we've read and verses that we've memorized all of a sudden explode with meaning because we've come to that place of just trusting in God. It's not from outside the faith that we find faith. It's from within faith. That's where faith grows as we exercise it, not examining it from the outside and trying to figure it out. In other words, we don't say, God, please, Show me your will, and then I'll figure out whether or not I want to do it. Uh, God has not obligated himself to reveal himself or his will to us under those circumstances. But when we come to him broken, humble, and contrite, willing, and submissive to him, that is where God opens up the windows. That's where he opens up our eyes, and we see things and understand things about him that are really precious. The book of Job, so full of things to think about and talk about, just visiting with one of our listeners, called in and had to speak off the air. In his life, he's lost two wives, each of good persons, good women, and, and how that helped bring him to that place of brokenness, that place of humility before God. Uh, remarkable experience. Throughout this book, Job's friends were asking him to admit his sin and ask for forgiveness, and eventually he does indeed repent, but his repentance is not the kind that his friends were looking for. He asked for forgiveness, not for committing secret sins, but for questioning God's sovereignty and justice. When he repented of his attitude and acknowledged God's great power and perfect justice, he got himself in a position to receive great blessings. Same is true for us today. See you next time. Live with Soapy Dollar, Soapy Reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.